Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And welcome back. It's Ray and Brad here at The Advertising Show with another encore show for you. This is from uh, 2009. Matt Zucker was uh, the executive creative director at Ogilvy One Worldwide, involved in a whole bunch of really cool projects. Matt, uh, fast forward to today, is global executive creative director at Razorfish, if you want to track him down today. It was a great interview uh, back in 09. It's a, a great one to hear once again here at the Advertising Show. It's being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production powered by Shippel.com. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com and a great flat platform called Tendency. Check it out. Ready for Matt? Let's listen. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Stronger than dirt. Back with you here with uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, a gentleman who was, who was, I think he was told as a young boy that he was ADHD, now he's ECD, uh, which is wonderful. No, I'm just joking, Matt. Matt Zucker is uh, Executive Creative Director of Ogilvy One New York, and as you heard, all of the, uh, the, the wonderful things that he's done throughout his career. Matt, it's great to have you here at the Advertising Show. Welcome. Thanks so much, Phyllis. Yeah, our pleasure, Matt. Uh, you, you came to us and uh, through AdAge CMO strategy article that we noticed several months ago, which appeared, uh, gosh, I guess it was last summer. Uh, it's titled, How Digital Marketing Can Reinvent Direct Marketing. First off, my question is, well, let me set it up first. You say that direct marketing remains stuck in the limits of a one-to-one model created and perfected for a previous age. So my question to you, Matt, is if direct marketing is so last century, why in the hell is my mailbox still full of junk mail? <laughs> I know, and it, it, is, it is pretty incredible. I guess the, the point is, is that directed all these amazing things and set up a system so well that it stopped kind of growing and, and evolving, or at least that's, that's the thesis. Meanwhile, things like digital, kind of we're all experimental, kind of grew up and got more and more interesting. So really the opportunity is to take a fresh look at direct marketing. And I think a lot of people are, are trying to do this to figure out what, what about it in the digital age could get much more exciting. What is missing? Where is it stuck? And, and what is worth keeping? And what is worth building, building on? And we're starting to find a bunch of those, those things. You know, it's a great time to be in direct marketing, I would think, but you're cert- you're also a consumer, as we all are, and you see what goes on out there. Wh- what's your sense of just the market in general? Are, are people uh, in that industry transitioning to a more sophisticated approach to direct marketing, or do many seem to be stuck in the past? I think what happened was that um, it just stopped getting interesting, and I think so um, it kept uh, doing what it was doing really really well and we're kind of thinking of it as direct marketing works so well because the systems are so bad and people really know what works and what doesn't and it's become a little bit of a liability we're calling it like a prisoner of the proven and um, it just has an opportunity to get more interesting just like digital did just like advertising has kind of you know hijacked brand and 
digital has kind of become more experiential and more experimental. So really the opportunity for direct, this is a fantastic time to be in direct marketing. It's where a lot of the substantial marketing is going on and building relationships with customers and helping them make choices is, is a great time. It just needs a lot more love and attention and probably a lot more creativity. Give us a give us a checklist of of your thoughts or, or your uh, identifiable uh, components, if you will, on how uh, direct marketing seems to be reinventing itself these days. I guess the first, the most obvious thing that most people are talking about is how so much has gone digital. So much direct mail has become email. So much. Um, kind of message boards have kind of replaced a lot of uh, different kinds of customer support help. People can kind of help each other now. Um, brands are still doing mail. I mean, there's nothing wrong with direct mail. TV is, is becoming a lot more video. You're seeing a lot more longer form content. You know, the infomercial of TV is also becoming the infomercial online, you know, long form video split up into chapters that can be shared with people. So I think there's a lot of good good parallels just that have become digital. So that that's one. Um, another is creativity about about what what works. Um, and to me, the opportunity is to put a lot more creativity back in to direct marketing, because just because you know what works doesn't mean it's what's best for the brand or what's really best for, for the customer or helps you stand out. I mean, your mailbox is cluttered with a lot of probably offers of the same type from all different companies. It's like they're not even listening to each other. They're not really trying to stand out from each other. Right. Well, I was going to go, you know, you bring up an interesting point. Uh, how often when you bring a new client in, uh, do they come to you and say, look, we have, you know, data here that, that verifies that these approaches have worked for us. And yet you look at the approach and you know that there's a better way to do it. And in some cases, it's almost embarrassing. We've all had situations where the execution creatively, and that's your area, of course, uh, can be so much improved upon, but yet clients are, are a bit hesitant or they're, they're erring to the, to the conservative side in spite of uh, an execution that really doesn't put the brand in its best, uh, in its best light, if you will. How, what, what do you do in a situation like that? I assume you've had this experience before. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I, I haven't seen a lot, as much resistance as more Clients are mostly um, stressed out over what to do with all these no- new opportunities. What, what do you do as a direct marketer in social networks and in social communities? How do you harness the dialogue that's going on, and how do you answer it? How do you keep people interested in your brand when they don't just want to be in your email, you know, the, the database just from getting their email? They want to be out there. So what do you, what do you create? And, and the volumes of what have to be created now is many more times of what had to be made before. I mean, there's many more channels. There's much more content to make. In terms of trying new ideas and if they're resistance to change, I mean, it's the easiest way I find to sell in new ideas is encourage what they already want to do, and that's encouraging testing of a new idea. So take a risk. Try this bolder idea next to the one that, that, that seems to work, um, and let's see what happens. And I haven't really had clients be that resistant to it. Um, they also have a lot of the clients have a lot of pressure from their own organizations about tying more of the direct marketing in with the brand. For a long time, direct marketing could operate in this kind of silo over here, so they could do whatever it takes to make it work, mm-hmm. regardless of whether it hurt or helped the brand. It could be the tackiest thing in the world, but it didn't matter because it worked. Now, in a world in which everybody sees everything, so whatever you get in the mail, everyone will see. 
you know, where everyone, uh, on the online targeting, everyone sees everything out there, that you can't really do that anymore, and the silo thing doesn't work, and, and I think every brand manager and um, knows that. So there's a lot more pressure to be more on brand and to try more interesting things. On the uh, show today here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, it is the Executive Creative Director of Ogilvy One New York. It's Matt Zucker, and uh, we'll be back uh, with more here in just a moment. Stay Back with you with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. I'm in New York this weekend. Our special guest, Matt Zucker, is Executive Creative Director of Ogilvy One New York. Brad, maybe uh, Matt could help the Wendy's brand out a little bit, too, anyway. I don't know. Uh, it, it, might be, uh, it might be tough, though. Anyway, Matt, welcome back to the show. Good to have you here. Thanks a lot. The David Ogilvy of the digital world, I like to say, Matt Zucker. Uh, hey, uh, Matt, uh, testing has always been a part of uh, direct marketing, uh, yet moving to the digital world, what's your true feelings being a creative guy about testing? Is it, you know, is it some, Is there a place for it? Is there sometimes testing that is off, off cue or, or gives input that dissuades someone from a campaign that you know should work and it really isn't given an opportunity to perform? Do you want to get into your head on that? Sure, sure. And, and, I, and I don't want to use testing as a, as a crutch. I think too many people want to waste a lot of time testing, I don't know, background color. I mean, that doesn't really interest me. I think we all did that in 99 and 2000, and we all sort of know where the button should go, and we know. I mean, there's a lot of things that are, are, are quite proven. So if you're going to test something, I would rather test, you know, ideas. Um, the good thing is I like to test things in market. I really think, you know, you don't need to do focus groups anymore. Just create the work and put it out there. And if it doesn't work, you know, pull it. I don't think there's um, a big issue in it. I think speed is really important. So I would much rather take a big risk and get something into market and have something to work against it and, 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 and learn from, you know, it's not just learn because we, it's about try things because you never know what's going to work. And then you want to be able to have a plan B because what if, you know, a lot of people create stuff and they're not really prepared for their own success. I've done plenty of campaigns or different efforts, especially in the digital world where, oh my, you know, something went really well and we weren't even ready or we ran out of money and we couldn't even follow up with our plan B. It was such a shame. You know, your your company, uh, Ogilvy One Worldwide, do you guys uh, offer your services to your, your sister agencies within the network? Sure. Yeah, we work with everybody. We work with um, everyone from Ogilvy PR to, obviously, Ogilvy and May, they're our, our, our closest cousin. And um, we work with ICOF in Chicago, who's one of the most well-known DRTV agencies and many others. So, I mean, I'm just trying to get some clarification. Do, do you have a new business uh, guy that goes out and acquires new business specifically for the firm, or is it more a service within the network? How does that work? It works both ways. I mean, there's, there's plenty, of, plenty of clients look to Ogilvy to kind of package up the whole story. So plenty of new business pitches are done, you know, with Ogilvy Action, with Ogilvy VR, with Ogilvy and Mather, and we kind of bring it all together, and it works pretty pretty seamlessly. Other times, you know, there'll be just a piece of business that Ogilvy One will go after or a unique opportunity. You know, but more and more we see plenty of clients who, who look to Ogilvy because, you know, for the whole 360 brand stewardship, 
approach that they really they kind of want it all. Well, let's uh, shift gears and talk about Direct Response TV. What, what, what are you guys doing for your clients to help uh, DRTV evolve to what it can truly be today? Yeah, it's really tricky, and I think we're, that's the hardest thing to explore right now because DRTV works so well for, for a reason on, on television, and it doesn't make a neat switch just, just to, to the web because, you know, you, you can't always get it get the message out in, in, in two seconds, and people's patience online is, is, is different. So we're kind of looking at different ways to create DRTV or DRV, direct response video, that can be used online. But we're finding that sometimes the content of it isn't a perfect switch. So we're encouraging clients to kind of try out different things. And then, of course, you want it to also be interactive, so you want to be able to click to call or click to order um, right then and there. Mm-hmm. Well, staying with that, let's talk a little bit about the, the idea of designing to be shareable. Um, you know, I, I, I realize that uh, you have a couple of examples of how companies can design and integrate digital components to be, uh, become more shareable into their direct marketing strategy. Share with us some of your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's always funny because we, you know, we spend so much time creating work that's one, that's one to one, that's you know, for one person that we have in mind. And the truth is, if they love it that much, they're going to share it with people that they they like. But we don't design most of our stuff to be that shareable. What's happened is more and more of digital has become easier to share within Facebook or to your Twitter feed, and and you know, all the publishers and all the content publishers are making it easier to share articles on whichever platform. You, you want to do that. So we would be well served at the content we create. Any brand creates content, whether it's like a podcast series or, you know, an article or like a tool, you make up a tool, that you, you make it for small groups of people because we see more and more people acting in these little groups, these little networks of their friends or people that all like, I don't know, antiques or comic books. So we, can, we should create not just in the one-to-one model but in the one-to-few model. And I think you'll get a lot more... Um, bang for the buck. I mean, it's a little tricky because it's not as trackable, and it's not, um, it doesn't work all so, so neatly. Everyone spends so much time, and that's what I was talking about, the prison of the proven, is we spend some, so much time making all these little neat charts where everything works so neatly, and the truth is the web's a mess, and it is a little more chaotic, so it's a little harder to develop communications programs that can get that messy, but you got to do it. Matt Zucker is the Executive Creative Director of uh, Ogilvy One, New York. Uh, Matt dropped by the advertising show today. What a great thing to have happen. We'll be back with Matt and Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe here in just a moment. Right here. Hot dogs, armor hot dogs. What kinds of kids eat armor hot dogs? Welcome back. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsythe, and the ECD at Ogilvy One New York is Matt Zucker. Uh, Matt, great to have you on the show today. Thanks for being here. Sure, thanks. You know, uh, back to your CMO article, Matt, for a second. You also uh, note that uh, direct marketing needs two significant transitions to survive these days, uh, starting with the evolution of predictable one-way communication and transitioning to a looser and, uh, I guess, more modern two-way dialogue platform. And you also talk about the reintroduction of creative vitality. We've touched on the creative vitality already. are people not getting uh, that it's not talking to your customers, but it's dialoguing with your customers today? I mean, that seems pretty obvious. Yeah, I know, and I think people completely get it. I think they haven't figured out how to do it because they haven't figured out, you know, the manpower to kind of man the Twitter feed all night and day, and does the agency do it or the client do it, or they haven't figured out how to sustain their 
Facebook page, you know, beyond when the promotion's over. And it's a lot of it is a resource problem. Um, and sometimes it's a volume problem, being able to produce enough stuff to keep things interesting. So I think the two-way dialogue thing everybody gets, they just haven't figured out how to resource it as an organization. Everyone's you know, establishing listening posts. If they haven't, they're crazy. Um, but I don't think they've figured out how to way to, to engage with it. Do you think that there uh, are particular brands out there that should stay away from uh, the social networking space? I ask that question of a lot of people uh, in your space and, and, and others that have been successful in the social network uh, uh, platforms that, that are out there. And most of them say that, no, all, all products, all services are uh, a valid uh, opportunity for social networks. But I find that hard to believe. Well, you know, social networks are, are just, you know, they're an area in which people engage and, and trade stuff and pick up applications and, and use them. So I can't imagine any brand that would not be able to use it in some way. I hear sometimes resistance about, oh, our brand's too complicated or legal or compliance or we're a healthcare brand. I mean, it's not, I think it's nonsense. I think it's that they just haven't figured out how to do it and how to do it right. Um, I worked in baby formula for, for years, and there were plenty of things that we could and could not say. And when a question was asked, we had to kind of, you know, flip it to the right person to answer the health-related question about, you know, from the, F- from the FDA. But, but you can do it. You just, it, it's, uh, I always find it a little lazy to not, you know, figure out what the barriers are. Because people are engaged there. And why would you not want to be where, you're, where your, your customers are and where they're asking questions? I think, I think it's a little naive to kind of treat it like a trend or like an outside vehicle when it's not. It's, it's, it's really part of everyone's daily behavior. Sure. Well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not asking the question uh, exactly the way I feel about this, and that is, um, you know, in a black and white world, I guess you're right. I tend to think that there are certain products out there that lend themselves to to uh, leveraging social platforms, and when a consumer has more of an emotional uh, connection with a product, that they're more apt to. Uh, emote about their feelings about the product as opposed to buying a widget that is is uh, a non emotional you know purchase oh sure, like a low interest item like a um well candy bars are emotional, but if it was a paper towel you know i, I don't i don't know what they what they would do but um it's more of know. a challenge i think it's more of a challenge, and your point is is that even though it's more of a challenge there's got to be something out there for you right yeah, probably to some degree or maybe with somebody else you know if, if paper towel doesn't Paper towel brand doesn't need its own Facebook page. I don't know why you join it, but maybe they kind of line up with a bunch of other related brands around the home and do something around that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I saw that you also had written another uh, fairly recent article in the September issue of Advertising Age Digital Next special section called When Direct Marketing Becomes Misdirected Marketing. Can you give us a little bit of the highlights on that? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I was really upset one day because I think I saw two different offers that um, one I got from my own bank, I think it was, it was Citibank. Citibank sent me an email, and I'm, I've been a Citibank bank holder since 1992, um, and I've been a Citibank mortgage holder since like 2001. So it's kind of you know it's, they sent me a note saying if I open up a new if I open up a Citibank checking account, I will get you know two hundred dollars or something like a that. A toaster, too. yeah. And I was like, this is crazy. How come they, they don't have the simple, basic stuff in the database down to know who I am? But it was City Mortgage's list, and I was really furious. And then what, what I wanted to respond to say, by the way, don't send me that stuff. I am your customer. I am your loyal customer. Don't you know, take me out of the list. I coun't actually. I had to write, I had to write a letter to Internet and email services at City Mortgage. <laughs> 
which is really funny. So actually, I typed up a letter and I mailed it in the you know at the post office, and I haven't heard back yet. I'm, I'm gonna I'll definitely do a post update when I hear back. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It was it was so funny. Gee, Matt, thinking of a different bank possibly. Hmm? Yeah. No, and I love them. That's what kills me. And these were such innovators in the field. I mean, Citibank was came out with direct access or the earliest online service for banking. I mean, they're they're really amazing. This was really dumb. Well, you're a very nice person, Matt, to say that. I appreciate that. We are, we are unfortunately out of time here at the Advertising Show. Ray Schillens, Brad Forsythe. Matt, uh, congratulations and continue to do great work because, for God's sakes, we need it, okay? And remember, Matt is now Global Executive Creative Director at Razorfish if you want to check out what Matt is up to these days. Great interview, though, don't you think? Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com, the Advertising Show. A copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production, and we will talk to you again soon. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.